Hi, this is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show with various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity guest. So my guest today is Kath Lloyd. She's an advocate for children of transgender parents and also author of When Dad Became Joan. So welcome, Kath. It's it's so great to talk to you. I've been desperately wanting to discuss this subject for such a long time. So welcome to the show. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's lovely to be here. So you help transgender families, trans families, overcome communication barriers so they can live an authentic family life. And of course, you've got hands-on experience of this. So tell us about, tell us your backstory, if you like, and what happened back in the 80s in your world. Uh, in July 1987, um, my dad summons me home. Um, so I was 23 and finished my degree spent all my time at my boyfriend's house. He summons me home. I didn't have a clue what it was going to be about. And eventually, you know, he came in and sat with me. And it's, it was a bit of a strange one, really, because he was pleased to see me, but there was also a bit of strain on his face as well. Yeah. And then he started talking about his thoughts and his feelings and things that he'd never really discussed with me before. And I didn't have a clue where the conversation was going. And then he suddenly said, Kath, I can't go on living the way I am. I, I've decided to undergo gender reassignment treatment. I can't be a man any longer. I'm going to be a woman. Wow. So at 23, you just finished your degree. Growing up, did you have both parents living at home with you? Yes. Um, a very stable family life. Great family holidays. Um, but there was no reason for you to doubt your father's sexuality or that he was going through any of this. He was clearly suffering himself, wasn't he, for him to... And we wonder if he waited for you to be of an adult age before he, you know, decided to share it with you. Well, it was a real shock to everybody because, you know, back in the 1970s, 1980s, he was showing real alpha male traits, um, you know, the fitness, the running, the mountaineering, the rock climbing, the gardening, the DIY, all of those sorts of things, the beard, mm. um, and so, no, there was there was no signals at all. And so it was a massive shock to everybody. I can imagine. What about your mum? Did she have any idea? Well, my mum had been managing this information for 10 years. Um, and the reason she, she knew about it was because... Um, my dad had wanted to start hormonal treatment to help manage his hormone levels to help him feel a little bit more stable. Yeah. 
course, having female hormones was going to play havoc with his sexual drive. And so that's why my mum had found out. But she had kept it a secret. She had, you know, she was trying to manage the family situation, keep the families together. I'm really sorry. Your phone's ringing. It's okay. We, we know it's fine. We're all human. Uh, I was going to say, actually, there's a little bit of crackling on the line for our listeners, but it's fine. It's fine. We can still hear you really well. When you think back in the 80s, <laughs> obviously, this would have been a really difficult um, subject to bring out into the open. The support probably not like it is today. Maybe a real taboo subject, if you like. So it must have taken some courage, really, for your father to come out at that time and talk about it. Oh, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I remember, I don't know, however many years before us watching a programme about gender, transgender people. And I remember sitting there thinking, why are we watching this? You know, because I, I didn't know, I mean, it was interesting, um, but I really didn't think any more about it. Um, and and so just to be suddenly told this information was such a shock and took me so much by surprise. I actually laughed until I, I looked at my dad, the hurt on my dad's face and realised that he was deadly serious. So what were you going through at the time? And did you, have you got any siblings that obviously were going through it with you at the same time? Yeah, so I've got an older sister. She was... Um, she was away at university as well and didn't really come home much. But the thing was that because of it being such a taboo subject still, it was to be a secret. Yeah. So were you forbidden to talk about it? Was the only person I could talk about it to was my boyfriend and, you know, now my husband. Um, and that, that secret was never really lifted. Yeah. So, and back in the 1980s, you didn't send your kids to therapy. You know, it was only adults who really went to therapy. Yeah. Um, there wasn't Mr. Google to refer to. Um, so there was no support for us. There was support for my dad um, because... Um, support groups were starting to come to light. Plus, we're seeing consultants about, you know, the right therapy. There was support there for my dad, but there wasn't anything for us. There was just, you know, my dad, who was going through it, and the rest of our family, and we were all struggling with it because we didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, and for you as well, it would be grieving for the loss of a father figure, even though he was still your father. But, you know, what were your worst fears at the time, you know, when he, when he told you? The fears were that had life, had family life been a fraud? Yeah, yeah. Was it really real? And then what was going to happen? What was going to happen to my mum and dad? What was going to happen to their relationship? Were we going to be staying together? Were we going to be splitting up? Um, and not knowing how the process was going to be. 
what was my dad going to look like as a woman, not as my dad? And it's exactly like you say, although the person is still there, you're still going through a bereavement cycle because, you know, bereavement is about change and loss. Yeah. So, and because it was such a shock that there were no warning signals, um, it meant that when my, my dad still did start going through changes, you know, it wasn't just about how he looked starting to be Joan, but it was about how Joan sounded because Joan worked really, really hard with her voice therapy. It was changes in hobbies, different people starting to come round. And so when people say to me, well, they're still the same, you know, your dad's still there, still the same person, but in a way the whole package was changed. Yeah, definitely. And how long was it then, Kath? So after he told you when you were 23, how quickly did you see your, your father as Joan? Well, very quickly, um, I would be seeing Joan dressed as Joan. Um, but but then, like it is today, you have to live in your chosen gender for two years before any significant surgery work can take place. And that is so that um, the person wanting to go through reassignment um, is has become used to living the life that they want to live but also for the family as well because it's it's massive change massive change and also you know the workplace and and just making sure that you are the person that you really want to be mm -hmm. and that nothing major has happened you know in that time in case you, you do change your mind yeah and it i can't believe that how huge the change is in every aspect of your life because like you said work as well what was your father's role what was his position you know in his job and could he go to work as Joan and it's all his work colleagues as well having that change to accept and your father having to it must have been massive for him to turn up to work and be Joan and have to explain himself it must have been devastating really for him at that time in the 80s as well yes and and you know people a concern that the process is too long and I understand that for people wanting to you know be authentic about themselves because they've been feeling like it for for many many years and for my father you know he knew at the age of five that he wasn't he didn't feel right. Obviously, at five, he didn't know what the issues were. Forty-five years, he had been managing all this turmoil of thoughts and feelings. Um, but the the process is there to make sure that everything is right for that person and for for other people as well. So for anyone listening, you really are an inspiration. There is life after this kind of change. So what's the relationship now between your parents? Well, unfortunately, over the last 12 months, both my parents have passed away. But they continue to live together as companions. Yes, my mother did think about leaving, but the whole 
reason for me to be able to write the book that I wrote is because she dug deep. She really looked at her core values and decided that even though this was going to be difficult, she wanted to stay in this relationship because of the person that she fell in love with and married originally. You know, if she had walked away, this story would have been very, very different. And, you know, not a lot of families, I mean, it's, you know, more and more families now are managing to stay together, but so many back then fell apart because they just didn't have the information, the understanding, and... um, And the support as well. What? Able to do it. So how old was your father when he became Joan and did you see a significant difference in him was he happier as Joan could you see that more or less overnight like the relief if you like oh I mean Joan Joan emerged at about 50 years old and yes it was a very different person and a lot lighter and other family members have said that once she became Joan, she was easier to talk to. Yeah. She was being her authentic self. And that is so, so important, isn't it? Even yeah. though we, you know, those of us who have got to catch up and have got to get used to this whole new family dynamics, at the end of the day, if they are, you know, if, if, if they are really content who they are that is so so important isn't it because we only live once yeah and that's the key thing isn't it and I think it's society certainly back in the 80s 90s I know we're more acceptable now it's a lack of understanding and the lack of education isn't it but the world's more open and you know it's great that we can talk about this now and it's not a taboo subject anymore um but it's a really lovely story and I'm glad you shared that with us Can I just add, though, that, you know, what's really important here is, though, that even though it's talked about daily, you know, in social media, in the press, it's still very difficult for the rest of the family. Yeah, no, I can imagine. You're you're in this conflict that you want to be supportive, but you need support as well because of the conflict in your thoughts and your feelings over everything that's, that you've got to manage. Yeah, definitely. I'm just going to take a short break. We'll, we'll be back in a few minutes' time. But I do have to say, there is a crackling on the line. So for our listeners, for our audience, I do apologise about that. We can still hear you really well, but there is a slight crackling. We'll be back in a few minutes' time. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage, when they are most treatable. 
They also offer a COVID testing service, which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So welcome back. We're talking to Kath Lloyd, who's an advocate for children with transgender parents and author of When Dad Became Joan. So welcome back, Kath. Thanks again for sharing your wonderful story with us. So let's talk about this subject. And obviously, you've been a you've opened this wonderful company now and you're helping others. So what advice would you give, uh, you know, for anyone that came forward that was maybe had a parent that was going through it or they're going through it themselves? I think it's so important to be really in tune and understand your own thoughts and your feelings. And this can be so difficult to do. And this is something that I really had to work hard at because I struggled, really did struggle for many, many years. But it was me learning about myself, why I was having these thoughts and these feelings, you know, what was the benefit of them? How was this going to affect me long term? How it was how was it going to affect my family long term? And by by this time I got my own children. So how is this affecting my own immediate family? And then to really seek the right support. Yeah. Not just with with family and friends. Uh, I mean, that's really, really important to have somebody who will listen to you at whatever time o'clock that you can all manage it, but also to get some professional support as well. Because, you know, the betting is that you won't know that many people who have a true understanding of what you're going through. And this is the benefit of talking to people who do understand that they don't try and fob you off with, well, they're happy and healthy, aren't they? Or, um, you know, uh, I, they've got to man up and get on with life. Yeah. Because that isn't really getting to the crux of your issue. This is That is about their opinion and them being judgmental. And that and, be the mentality, didn't it? Yeah, that's right. And you still, I had a conversation the other day and the person said, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. But that was because he didn't really know anybody in the trans community. So wasn't, you know, in in contact with the the difficult thought processes that are going on around this. People don't like change. That's the thing. Change in general is massive, isn't it? It's a lot to change habits or or anything and accept change in others. And that person they they once knew, it's it's grieving for that person. It's massive, isn't it? So I think people don't want to accept it when they first find out. You've got a whole different set of language to get used to as well. And I missed calling somebody my dad. Yeah. And, And even 
you know, up until five years ago, I'd suddenly, suddenly say, oh, Dad, instead of Joan. And then I'd catch myself and I'd just go, I'm really sorry. And Joan would go, that's all right. And then we'd carry on. And that's what I had to learn as well, is just to say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And... And I it think, dad, though, isn't it? It was still your dad. So there must be people that are listening that who are going through this type of thing. Surely they were still, would they still call their, their father dad? Some will. Yeah. But this is where, you know, this is an important conversation to have. And we had it quite early on that, you know, my dad wanted to be called Joan. But then my mum wouldn't allow Joan to be called mum. And I understand that. Yeah. A mother's role is, is a very individual role, as, as mothers know. But then also, it was, for me, it was, well, where does that place Joan in the family hierarchy? Yeah. And so early on, then it was Auntie Joan. So, you know, my, my children, my nephews, it wasn't Grandma Joan or Grandpa Joan. It was Auntie Joan. Ah, okay. And that did lower her in the hierarchy of the family. Yeah, yeah. And then it just became Joan in the end. And then I got so used to it and au okay with it that I would say, this is my mum and this is my other mum. Yeah. Yeah, that's lovely. That's, that's the way I got round it in the end. So let's talk about your courses and how you can help others. You've got seven steps to a happier, healthier soul. We're going to talk about your book as well. So let's talk about how your courses can help others and what it is you offer. So um, seven steps to a happier heart and soul is going to be a brand new course. And um, so it's revolved around part two in my book when dad became joan because my book is of two parts the story and then steps to living your new normal so uh the seven steps to a happy heart or soul are going to include things like the importance of your values um self-honesty um looking at um your belief systems sorry playing the victim laws of attraction acceptance and then strategies to help you move forwards. And this is for people who might be going through it themselves, as well as individuals that are parents, and maybe it's the children that have got parents who are going through this transformation yeah. as well. I mean, you know, this process can be for any major change that you're going through, um, but this will be specifically for um, families, transgender families. Yeah. And it, for it to be a safe place to open up and to talk and to communicate and be with other people who are also going through this process as well. And let's talk about your wonderful book, So When Dad Became Joan. So did your father know, did Joan know that you were going to write the book? Was he still alive then? Yes, um, there was a lot of conversation around it. Um, a lot of family members weren't happy about me writing the book and I came to realise really that their unhappiness about it was because they hadn't really come to terms with it themselves. I'd spent a lot of time and a lot of money working on myself and I got to a stage where I just thought, 
I need to talk about this. I need to help other people. The struggle that I went through, you know, it it was too long. I played the victim too long and um, and it had to stop. And do you think that, say it was in this day and age, if I say, you know, when you found out, would it be a different healing process, do you think? I think it would have progressed a lot more quickly because there are so many more Facebook groups and, um, you know, charities out there. Yeah. But I still find that there isn't much conversation around the struggling thoughts and the feelings that people are having because people are too frightened to open up and say they are struggling because it's very easy for people to point the finger and say you're being transphobic well not necessarily it's just you being a normal human being with normal thoughts and feelings that you need to be in tune with that you need to understand but once you understand those you are in a really strong position to be able to then talk to other people and and balance out those new family dynamics and let's face it you know the more you understand yourself better now in this situation learn from your mistakes you are better equipped for when the next difficult situation comes. Yeah. What do you miss most? What did you miss most about dad? And what were the benefits of Joan? Is that in the book at all? Um, the what I miss most about my dad was, like I said, having somebody call my dad. But then Joan, once I got through my bereavement process, I managed to really go back to seeing, and of course I was a lot, you know, I'd grown up a lot, to really see Joan and my dad's character, the the sensitivity, the conscientiousness, the concern, the the kindness, all of these things that, you know, so many people saw, whereas before, my dad was my dad. Yeah this package with the beard you know doing the DIY going off rock climbing and there were so many other things to distract from that um and 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 the older that Joan got the more fragile that Joan got the the more you could see the sensitivity the conscientiousness the kindness of of Joan's personality yeah and where can we buy this wonderful book? Where can we buy it? You can buy the book directly from me. Um, and then you go onto my mailing list and, and have more information. So you can find that on, because I've got two websites, when dadbecamejoan.co.uk. And you can also find it on kathloyd.co.uk. Otherwise, I have to uh, say, you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, the book is there to help you manage your change. Yeah. And to help you. And it's when you're going through difficult change, it's so easy to feel isolated. But you're not alone. No, definitely not. One thing I wanted to touch on just before we go was gender dysphoria. 
because there's a lot of children that are going through this. Can for our listeners, can you explain what that is and what advice you would give to anybody going through it? So gender dysphoria is the imbalance of the way the way your body presents itself as your gender, your birth gender, but it's about what you are thinking and feeling inside. And it's that incongruence, it's that imbalance of what's happening on the inside to what's happening on the outside. And a lot of people, a lot of young people at first think that they might be be gay, bisexual, that is very common feelings. Um, But gradually with the right support and the right conversations, the individual can start working out what exactly are the issues. And are there natural hormone changes that come within that? Um, Well, no, the hormone changes will come by um, having injections or having hormonal tablets, so hormonal treatment that will come from your GP and eventually your specialist. but this is why it's important to start talking to the right people. So if it's for children coming through your parents and try and be open with them. It's, I know it's very, very difficult to really talk about the dark and the dark in-depth feelings that are going on inside of you. But it's really, really important that you do that. Because the last thing you want is your parents to find out from Facebook or somebody at school. And then that's where a lot of resentment and hurt can begin, which then might manifest into something more difficult. And at the end of the day, you know, having the family support is what keeps families together, what helps keep mental illness down what keeps suicide rates down is um, and, and self-harm as well. That's a really big issue. So getting the right support um, from parents or school um, or, you know, if you're in a, if you go to a leisure centre or something, you know, the, the right people and then they will help support you. They should help support you in, in being referred on to the right people. Oh, it's been such a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you again for sharing your story. Of course, you've got your book, When Dad Became Joan, uh, that's certainly going to help others going through the same, the same sort of um, transformation. So quickly, just throw out your social media pages in case anyone wants to get in touch with you in case they missed your uh, platforms earlier. Okay, so you can find me on... Facebook, Instagram, um, through Google as Kath Lloyd. I'm also on YouTube as Kath Lloyd as well. You can also, uh, and LinkedIn, you can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and through Google as When Dad Became Jones. So that's the title of the book. And it would be lovely to connect with you and help support you wherever I can. Oh, Kath, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thanks again for joining us and I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to speak to you. 
You've been listening to An Appetite for Life, also sponsored by Dane Bank House Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. They offer a full range of preventative and restorative dentistry, including cosmetic treatments, facial rejuvenation and dental implants. They also follow a minimal intervention approach, so book in for a smile review today. You can visit their website at www.danebankhouse.co.uk or call them direct on 01270 665 774. If you have any questions about the show, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can visit my website www.karenkellypodcast.co.uk or send me an email at letstalk at karenkellypodcast.co.uk.